week since we were in the book of Esther together, in his portion of scripture, where Mordecai reached out to Esther to ask her to act on behalf of the people of God. And you recall that he had just gone out and heard the empire of the Jews was to be slaughtered uh, from the top to the bottom, from the women to the children, the neighbor upon neighbor. Uh, the Jews was to be exterminated here in the Persian empire. And that is all due uh, to the issue between Mordecai and spoke about Mordecai, and we talk about him often, whether he is a person to emulate, uh, and as well, we've spoken about Esther, and, uh, and considered if she is a woman to be emulated uh, in faith, and I think what we find throughout the course of the story is uh, what we see in both Mordecai and in Esther, uh, there's ambiguity regarding their character. Yet, at the same time, again, it's not to impugn Esther or to impugn Mordecai, uh, to tear down so that we otherwise could lift up. Rather, I think the point of the biblical text is to show us God's sovereign love for his people, and that even within uh, the lives of each and every one of us, there is some ambiguity at times. Uh, it's hard, as we've spoken many times, to, to discern truly the weight of your own conscience and, and the operations of your own heart to understand is it purely altruistic or is it purely virtuous that I did X or why I'm motivated to do X. Um, you, you find the uh, attack of your flesh uh, prey upon you even in times of prayer or in the consideration of why you ought to pray. And, and then, and then the, the sorrow, the trouble, the temptation, the frustration over our own sense of duplicity. So is the life of the pilgrim in this age. It is very difficult to walk, to walk in faith, by faith. And as we recalled a few weeks ago, I simply want to remind you strongly that to remember that even Christians particularly recall that even the weakest of faith to a strong and sovereign Lord. The strength of our faith is confirmed and established in Christ upon whom it rests. This is so crucial to our life of perseverance. So let me read for you one particular text that we looked at for a while now. Uh, as we work our way through first Peter, I closed with this a couple of weeks ago. I just want to draw your attention to it as we open and move forward in the text this morning. Remember, again, the strength of our faith. Because, again, we ourselves will waver. The strength of our faith is confirmed and established in Christ, upon whom it rests. Again, I cite to you First Peter 5, as we worked through that book over the course of many months, months ago. First Peter 5.10. And after you have suffered a little while, this is the pilgrim's journey in this age, wrestling with self, flesh, the world, the devil. After you have suffered a while, the God of all grace, the God of grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, Will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and 
crucial for our understanding of perseverance as children find a way Because we want to theological discussion, because we really want to mine out the nuggets here, we really want to just be at over the top precise. It's not splitting hairs for us to distinguish carefully. We are not saved by faith. Because we hear that so quickly, and then the accent of deliverance is upon what? Faith. But rather, beloved, we are saved by faith object. Christ the Lord. He himself is the Savior. It is he, the ascended and risen Lord. He, not faith, which is our Savior. Faith is the hand which receives. He is the provider. It is the incidental. Understanding of this good news announcement. Because once again, I draw your attention to what you already know. And that is, feelings of faith will waver. They will come, they will go. They will be strong at times, they will be weak at times. It will feel at times as though you don't possess the vessel of faith and are not wed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you know this, I know this, Mordecai knows this, Esther knows this. Feelings of faith. Emotions and virtues will waver, but Christ will not. That is the critical component of perseverance. He is the anchor holding us. We will make it to that golden shore through trial. Though you suffer a little while, The God of all grace will confirm you, restore you, establish you. You think of the episode, and we thought of this again a few years ago as we preached through Luke's gospel. And it is exactly that scene where Peter, the night before Christ taught his prayer, Remember that text in Luke 22, where he tells Peter and the disciples, and they're thinking, "Take it off. Let your faith be active." And then you have the episode with Peter, because he wore Satan's fifty by Jesus, and then you know this around. The rest of the story, he indeed loses his way. He fails in a significant manner. It crushes him, and he runs out, and we know of Peter. He ran away and wept bitterly for his faith. But when Christ spoke to him, I have prayed for you, and I have prayed that your faith will not fail. And then he adds promise because it will not fail. You may feel. Thank you. 
where your pen could sin. It says, I, I heard you with the ears, but now I have seen you with my eyes. And a confession, I am feeble and you are strong. That's the prayer of Daniel's eyes. Daniel acknowledges the sins of Israel. We have not followed your law, we have turned your ways. Look at upon us and have mercy. It's not this robust confession to Mordecai. Who knows? Maybe we are here for a purpose. Again, I grant that it is an acknowledgement nonetheless. Mordecai's understanding of what he means is saved and not coming to the world. How can we have confidence in Jesus? Again, maybe that's the way we would speak. If we wish to grow, if we wish to be more biblical, and understand the text, to be able to find the text like ourselves. We should find ourselves not so feeble in moments of great gravity. But Mordecai here seems to be acquainted at least with a couple of the And that gives him a measure, again, maybe not a particular and keen insight, but at least ambiguity. If God is sovereign, He is able. Remember, there are two things that stand out in the picture of Mordecai as a character where we could grant at this moment Mordecai says, your deliverance will come from another place. Somehow God will act. And who knows? It might even be by your hand that you were here in the first place. I grant to God's providence. How can we sense Mordecai would even have reference to those ideas? Well, there's two of them just briefly. I know for you, as you probably already recall, but he understands this sense of God's sovereignty and covenantal history. And we know that because of chapter 1, Kenny, a lot of things may remember it's been months ago now since we're in chapter 1, but when we're introduced to Mordecai, we're introduced to him in the genealogy of the Jewish dead, we can find out that he was being connected to the king of Babylon in chapter 6, connected to Saul, um, and then we find out that they were carried away uh, earlier into Babylonian captivity. And when I say, you know, what about Mordecai? He was a worldly child at that point, right? But Now, 
the title being Esther. Esther finally, for us in the text, takes the center stage with her response. Notice verse 15 as she responds to the last question and accusation brought out by Mordecai. Verse 15, she finally responds. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, them being those who worked for her. You tell Mordecai this, go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young woman will also fast as we do. So Esther's response here is opening as she takes the center stage to be the key character throughout the course of the narrative. Now, Esther calls for a three-day fast for all the Jews located in the city of Susa. Again, I draw your attention, and I think it is important that you begin to recognize what is being talked to us about the characters that they are presenting. There is still no direct reference to God with these characters. As we know, there will be no reference directly to God throughout the
notice the fact is the necessity of the nation. Find to you the word intercessory or intercede. To intercede. What does it mean to intercede? But to mediate or to advocate. And then particularly consider to plead on behalf of another. We also think of intercession in other times. I would encourage you. Thank you. 
want to stun the thought that life has no meaning to us. God is sovereign. We're just robots. Like these robot criticisms of the reformer. And then it's no true way. It's a caricature. Life is not robotic. No one would suggest it's such. But neither do we swing over and say, God is open. Everything is up for natural causation. It is what it is. Rather, we together, as we see here in this text, with Esther and her hope, and the people of God in Susan, we believe that God uses means in the fulfillment of His purpose. He prescribes for us to bless you. Are therefore endeavor after new obedience. He blesses the past before us. He hears and answers and responds to the blessing. You see, this particular scene in the book of Esther is a clear picture of the interaction between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. It's a beautiful opportunity to meditate on the theme of divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Here is a beautiful text where we see it.
have more of him and less of us. So we see also that here with effort, and even to some measure, notice verse 16, and we'll be close by the blue to deal with this one. Notice with me verse 16, there is not a direct line between this verse and that. You see it in, in consequence there. Then I will go to the people. And you recall the law earlier in Solomon the time of the temple. But if you go to the king and do it that way, you are at peace. After a three day long, night and day fast, I will go to the people. Go to you for you, again, uh, it's not nice for us to talk about right now. Let you all know it is against the law. Thank you. 